So I think one thing that helps with that is really understanding how do you get better at that? Um, what are the rules of this game? How can I, you know, get some traction in this? That gives people hope, right? Because they feel like, oh, there, there are things that I can do. Interviews in two days. It can be really hard to shift things internally, right? And, and intrinsically feel better about yourself. That really takes time. But what you can do is look for external validation. So um, looking at your past career wins. All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this episode of the How to Get a Job podcast. Today, I have a really good episode. And this episode, it's actually one that's relevant to every type of job seeker, whether you're coming right out of college and it's your first job, or you've been in your career for 20 years and you're trying to pivot. And it really is about the mindset of job searching. Uh, look, like anything, any big goal that you have in your life, whether it's a career goal, a health goal, or an entrepreneurship goal, um, Career coaching, a career, getting a job and job searching, it's a roller coaster. And it's, it, you're going to go through this ups and downs. There's going to be a lot of mental challenges. And knowing how to have your mindset ready, how to control those ups and downs of the job search is going to be really, really important. It's actually going to help you get a better and faster job. And to talk about this topic and talk about the, the, the you know, I guess the mindset that's required to get a really good job, um, I have an amazing guest. Um, this, I have Jessica Sweet, and Jessica is not only a career coach, but she's also a therapist, and she's the owner of Wishwell Coaching. So Jessica, welcome. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. No, thank you so much for being here. I would love to hear a little bit more about your story and how you're combining therapy and then career coaching all into one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I mean, I I find that like you said, there's so much mindset stuff that happens um, related to job search, related to your career in general. It's really hard to separate out who you are, how you think, um, anything like that from your career and your job search. It's just, it, it feels impossible to me to be able to kind of s separate those things. The job search itself, like you said, is a roller coaster. And so there's a lot of challenges there. Um, but the rest of your career as well, uh, really can have some, some landmines that you really need to watch out for. Yeah. You know, I, I've been, uh, coaching and mentoring, uh, job seekers for over 10 years now. And that is probably the one thing that I didn't realize that plays such an important role in career coaching, then it's helping them with their mindset. Right. And, um, I'm not a therapist, right? Like you're a therapist, right? I'm not a therapist. And that's something I have to say to them multiple times. It's something I actually have to add to the agreement because like, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not a marriage counselor, like all these things because, it, but it is something that's really important because I see it time and time again of how much your, your confidence uh, is affected by the constant rejection or the ghosting or, you know, or the, you know, the hopes that you're like, get, get the call, you get the interview and you think this is going to turn out. And then you then stop everything, stop networking, start applying. And then later get find out that you didn't, they didn't move forward with you because they moved on with another candidate and you feel like you're not to start all over. And I think that's like a lot part of it, why the job search process can take 
more than three months, six months, nine months. Um, and so uh, what have you seen? What commonalities have you seen? And, and what advice do you have to to get started on changing that mindset and preparing yourself for the job search process? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really important to recognize that um, a lot of it really isn't personal. So it feels very personal when you get a no. And, you know, even when you like, let's say you upload your resume for a job that you feel like you're going to be perfect for. And like, before you can even step away from your desk, you get a rejection email, right? That can be like, what the heck is going on with me? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with my resume? What's wrong with my career? That like, people don't see my value. So I think just understanding that there's a lot of it that has nothing to do with how good of a candidate you are first and you as a person second, it really is about perfecting some of the job search skills that are out there, like your resume, like networking, like positioning yourself well, or applying to jobs that make sense for you to apply to. Um, so I, I would say that's the very first thing is just try to depersonalize it. I love that advice because I think you're right. Like I think job seekers just take it so personal, like if they're attacking the individual. And even as I think back as my time as in my corporate career, as I was, you know, as a hiring manager, as somebody who was involved in campus recruitment, I wouldn't even say like over 99% of rejections weren't because of the candidate. It, it wasn't because the candidate was not good or not qualified. It was more of this person was just a little bit more qualified or if the, or maybe the changes or we had an internal candidate or even before the applic, even if, even though we posted a job, we had already had an internal candidate or a referral but because of the company policies, we had to post a job for two weeks. And all those people that apply were, really didn't have a really kind of fair shot in a sense because we already had identified it. There's like the back end parts that a candidate doesn't see. But yeah, you're, you're right. We take it personal. We take it like, OK, I'm not good enough. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the, like you said, the job might not actually be a real opening or, um, you know, people are looking for something very specific when they're hiring and they may get a lot of candidates that are very similar in qualifications and skills, but it, you know, in a case, even when you're being considered or you're being interviewed, um, it's just like, you really need to think about, um, the fact that there's going to be other people there that might be a better fit, not, not even necessarily because they're better qualified, but just because they're a better fit maybe in terms of the, the culture or, or something like that. So, yeah. So how do you, you know, and I know that it, it, can, it can be different and more than one, but generally speaking, right. If let's say that I'm a client of yours, I'm a job seeker and I go to you and I go, Hey, Jessica, look, like honestly, I'm feeling extremely anxious and feeling depressed. I've applied to a hundred companies. All I do is keep getting rejected. Like, I don't even feel like applying anymore. Like, how do I overcome that? Like that just really down, down feelings that you, you job seekers, you know, can have. And, and a lot of them have more commonly than not. Like if you're listening to this, like the percentage of clients that come to me and have with help more on like, Hey, I, I feel so down. It's like 80% of them feel this way. So like, I, I think like people feel like they're the exception of this, but how would you, what advice would you have about helping myself pick myself up and, and how should I be looking at this? Yeah. So a couple of things I'd say there. One thing um, that I cited in an article that I wrote, and I can't remember off the top of my head where this was, but um, 
it was a study that talked about why job search is so hard. And one of the things that it said that really, really stuck with me is that it is so hard because it's amorphous. So like we don't we don't know what we're supposed to be doing necessarily. And then you don't get feedback. So it's like constantly you're shooting in the dark, you're not getting anywhere, and you don't know how to improve that. And it's not like you can just be like, well, heck with this, you know, like this is stupid. I, I give up. You can't do that. You have to continue because you need a job. So it's like you're playing a game that feels pointless and you don't know how to get better at it. So I think one thing that helps with that is really understanding how do you get better at that? Um, what are the rules of this game? How can I, you know, get some traction in this? That gives people hope, right? Because they feel like, oh, there, there are things that I can do. There are things I can improve. And there's a way to get ahead and actually win this game and not, not just constantly be playing it. The other thing is self-care, um, you know, not job searching alone, taking care of yourself and doing things that are not job search, not, not putting so much pressure on yourself. Like I have to be job searching 24 seven, like just really taking care of yourself and understanding it's a process. I think can also help. Yeah. I love that advice. And uh, one thing that really stood out that you just said is like not job searching alone. Um, I, I work with a lot of international students, right? And so like I, when I think about their situation is extremely difficult because not only is it harder for them to get a job um, because they have a limited amount of time? There's like less than 40% of companies that are hiring actually are willing to sponsor for their uh, particular work visa. They're a lot of times alone in this country, right? They're, they're coming here from a different country, from a different continent. Their families all in the, in, in, across, you know, across the other side of the world. And they don't have family or even a lot of friends. A lot of the friends they have is other international students that they've met. And if you think about, a lot of the students that I work with are from India in particularly, and their families have to get massive amount of loans to send their kids to school here because it's extremely expensive, you know, the, the exchange rate. And so they're afraid to tell their parents how difficult it is for them to get a job because they're afraid culturally because of the culture of letting their parents down because their parents just pretty much mortgage their home for this bet of their kids coming to America, getting an ed American education for them to be able to stay in America, get a really good paying job to be able to pay off that loan with that job. And if they're not sure, if they're struggling to get that job, that anxiety is so much. And then, and then that they're feeling the, 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 the weight and pressure of the world. And yet they have no outlet because they can't go to the mom. They can't go to the dad. And, and so I think that to your point, having a community, whether that is, your, co your friends that are in school or joining a program where there's a community aspect of it where you can talk to people about it instead of just bottling it all in, it's super important. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And the, the challenges you describe are different, you know, for your folks and they are for the folks that I generally work with. But there's still like that, that idea, like there's the weight of the world on them. It's really, really present for job seekers, you know, the vast majority of them. But, but I, I would even say like, I know that you work with more like mid-career uh, professionals. If I am like, if I have a wife and she's a stay at home with the kids and I'm looking to make a career pivot, maybe I feel stuck. Right. I still feel that pressure because now it's not only, my career and, and, and it's I actually now I'm responsible for this three other people. I have all the bills, the mortgage, and 
I also probably like, to be honest, I don't know that like, I would probably talk to my wife about some of those stuff, but I also probably won't be a hundred percent transparent on how I feel because I don't want her to freak out. I don't want her to stress out. And so then that probably adds more, more stress on, on the individual itself. And, and obviously it, it can also be flipped. Right. But, um, I think that's why it's really important. I think that's where it's, I actually see there's so much value in working with a career coach or a community or getting help of not doing this alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I work with um, people who are job searching in group and in a group program that I have that not only guides them through the, the nuts and bolts of here's how you do it, but also provides that community and also the support around the emotional side and mindset side. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's hugely important. How do you suggest someone that maybe has been feeling this way, gets called to the interview, the interview is two days away, but still kind of feels down upon themselves because like, how do you help them? How would you suggest them changing that mindset? Because you know, if they go like this to the interview, if they don't believe in themselves, why would the company believe in them? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, one of the things to look at if it's, if it's a quick turnaround like that, right. Interviews in two days, it can be really hard to shift things internally, right. And, and intrinsically feel better about yourself. That really takes time, but what you can do is look for external validation. So, um, Looking at your past career wins, and I always recommend keeping a log of that, like a brag file, um, looking at maybe people who have recommended you on LinkedIn, looking at what uh, past coworkers have said, like look at some of your wins and, and recognize um, where people have validated you, where you have accomplished something, and try to go in to the organization. And, and ideally, like you've got a way that in your narrative and in your, in your interview prep that you've connected the stuff that you've done to the stuff that you would be doing in this next job, whether it's the same thing or it's a pivot or whether it's, you know, a, a step up, like you've got a way to say like all these career wins that I've just looked at now are relevant for this conversation I'm about to have. And, you know, that I think really connecting those things and, and really clarifying that through your branding is, is very helpful. I, I love that. I love that advice because you're right. Like, I think the best way, at least even for me, like the best way I found to get myself out of those funks is by the facts that I've been able to succeed in other areas. And so there's no differ. Like I'm going to succeed in this if I continue working on it and it goes applies to the job seeker. And I even think about like, uh, I, I, you know, I obviously can relate more to the, to the, my clients. And that's why I'm sharing those examples. It's like, you got accepted to this university how many people didn't, right? Like, so like you obviously are winning here. Like what's your GPA? What percentage of people have that GPA? Like you got this internship. What, how many people apply for that internship and didn't get it? So like you start looking at all the things or even too, like when this is an advice that my best friend gave me, like when I was starting my business for the first three years of it, it, it was really bad. Like uh, my wife called, uh, I call it the dark ages because I, I dealt with so much anxiety and and depression and, and just the challenges. There's so many similarities between a job search and starting a business, uh, like the ups and downs of it. But um, I remember my best friend saying like, hey, man, you, you should be proud of everything you've accomplished. Like, you know, next time you feel those highs, record yourself. And, and that way, whenever you're feeling down, you can go watch yourself talking to your future self that's down 
And um, is and, and I found those to be really helpful. Like I have notes on my on my phone, like on the note part of the iPhone, where I'm like recording how I feel, kind of like journaling or diarying, being able to go back to those pages of when I felt really good. Yeah, I love that so much. That's that's really awesome. And it's the same idea of like a brag file, except it's like in real time. You know, here's what I did that was that was great. And you're recording it, like voice recording it. So you can actually go back and listen instead of just reading it. You can hear your own self and like that energy. You can kind of capture that in a different way. So I really, I love that. The other thing that you said there was like, you know, how many people haven't accomplished whatever, you know, that it is. And I think over time, it's really helpful for us to think about like, what are our goals? Like, what do we want to accomplish? And then, you know, instead of comparing ourselves to other people, because that can, that can be a losing game at times, right? Like, oh, I, I didn't do this, right? Like there's so many people who are making X amount of dollars and I'm not, I'm not making that. So just like setting yourself goals and measuring you against you versus you against other people, I think can be really, really helpful to get out of that loop of like, oh, I'm not good enough. Look at all these other people who are winning on social media. Yeah, you're right. And you added social media there because I think if if all you're doing is comparing yourself to the the people that are on LinkedIn that put that never post, but the only post they post is I'm happy to announce that I got this job, and it seems like the whole world but you got a job. I think it's important to actually actually realize that you're comparing yourself to someone else's highlight reel. Exactly. Yep. Yep. It's so true. So on the flip side, on the positive side of this, why do you think that, you know, I, you know, I think we were, before I hit record, I was telling you, this, I've noticed this, and this is really common, I don't know if you've noticed this, but once we have someone that gets a, a job offer, and they're still in the interview process with other companies, they'll go get multiple job offers at once. So like, haven't got an offer for months, and then once they do get one, within a week, they'll get multiple. Why do you think that is? Yeah, I think, I think there's a couple reasons. So uh, I have definitely noticed that, and I think the I think the biggest reason is it just you go into that interview with a totally different energy. Like at this point, you have nothing to lose. It's like you've got a baseline, you've got a job, right? And it can only get better from there. You can only get a better job, right? And so instead of like in your mind thinking this is the difference between me making my mortgage payment or my rent payment and not, you're thinking this is the difference between me working at X company and Y company. And that feels so much better and gives you so much more confidence. And you can kind of go into that second interview with the attitude like, yeah, somebody wants me and what are you going to do to get me? Right. And I feel like that should be the, you know, like you shouldn't be arrogant, but you should have faith and belief in your own ability to contribute and, and the idea that somebody really should want you. And I think a little bit more of that energy in first interviews, like the, you know, before you get that offer, I think that would be really helpful to most people. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that's, you know, as now, like as a, as a, as a, as a, someone that owns a company and I have over 20 employees right now, over 20 full-time employees working I actually like want to hire someone that is confident and there's a fine line between confidence and cockiness, but it interviews me back. Right. Like that, like that's, that's taking their career so seriously that they want to ask me questions about the job or the growth potential 
or where we go, where is the company going and things like that. They're like, they're interviewing me back because it is an equal exchange of value. Like, sure, I'm going to pay them a salary, but they're spending 40 hours a week of their life here. So like, um, and so I do think that the, once you have an offer, you feel like you have the leverage to then be able to ask more questions and interview them more where you should, like to your point, be doing that the whole time because it is like it has to be a two-way interview. Now, like they'll ask you more, maybe more questions than you would, but like you should not be afraid to be confident to that they because they need you just as much, if not more, than you need them. Yeah, yeah, and I love that you look for that in in the people that you're interviewing and hiring, and I think that's really so true. Like you, you are spending forty hours a week there or more, but in addition to that, there's like a lot of there's like opportunity costs. Like what else could you be doing? If you're going to take this job and it turns out to be terrible because you didn't ask those questions, like what opportunity did you miss out on? And then the other piece is like, there's a lot of identity stuff wrapped up in that. Like you're, you're working for a company that brand in some ways becomes your kind of brand, at least mentally. And, um, and the work that you do is like, you're thinking about it. You're, you're, you're creating like all this energy goes into it and it becomes part of who you are. And if that turns out to be bad because you didn't, you didn't go in confident and ask good questions. Like, again, it's another loss. It's not just the 40 hours. So yeah, totally agree. Awesome. 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 Jessica, you know, before we wrap it up, um, you know, we'd love to hear a little bit more about what you do, how you work with clients, which type of clients you work with, and if anybody here that's listening to wants to learn more and connect with you, what would be the best way to do so? Yeah, great. So um, I generally work with people who are leaders in their organization. So people in midlife who've had time to like grow into their careers. And generally, I'm working with people who are people, people, problem solvers, and are looking for, um, you know, some way to make meaning in their lives or impact doesn't it doesn't have to be in, and in fact it usually isn't nonprofit but it's like I want to contribute to something that's more than just making widgets I want to like do something good in the world and feel good about the work I'm doing those are the folks I, I work with they're they generally tend to be more creative types um, but in lots of different fields and um, if folks want to get in touch with me my website is wishingwellcoach.com. And, um, you can check me out on LinkedIn. I think the, my handle there is Jessica sweet coach. So you can check me out there. Awesome. Jessica, you're awesome. I will put a link to your website and your LinkedIn on the show notes. So if you're listening, it's simple. Just hit the show notes. You can get, uh, access to Jessica's website and her LinkedIn rather easy. Uh, Jessica, thank you so much for being here. And for all of you listening, uh, look, I, I, you probably either yourself or know someone that has, gone through the ups and downs of the job search process and this episode could be very helpful for so all i ask you know we don't run ads right now in this podcast is that you share this episode with someone who's going through the job search process who maybe has come to you and vented you about how stressful this process is so maybe this this episode can help them if you enjoy this and you have not hit subscribe please hit subscribe and leave us a review thank you all so much for listening and catch you guys on the next episode bye